The following audio is from Sand Hills Community Church. More information about Sand Hills Community Church is available at www.sandhillschurch.org. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the great privilege of gathering this morning. And Lord, it is good to be together again. I pray that you will bless this fellowship this morning and the hearing of your word in your holy name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Hey, good morning. Where have you been? Oh my goodness, this is so, this is so very weird. Uh, this is an odd time, but we're glad you're here. And as many of you know, we're doing the soft launch thing where for the next couple of weeks, we're going to have a, a lighter crowd here at our 10 o'clock service. Uh, and that's the only service we're offering this week and next week. And then in July, of course, we're going to be offering all three of our services. I don't even know if we're going to need all three of our services, but we're going to put them out there anyway. I don't know who wants to come, uh, but we'll run them at our normal times and uh, encourage people, especially through the month of July and through the end of July, to continue to wear the masks, and then we'll see what happens in August. Uh, and by way of the masks, that's new in the world. Oh, my goodness. Um, so I'll be honest with you. I'm kind of an anti-masker. Just for, it's not that I think it's a hoax. It's not that I, I mean, this is all real. I totally know it's real. I just don't like wearing a mask. But um, I had a friend really challenged me in this recently. They said, Jeff, you know, you're not, you're not wearing the mask for you. You're wearing it for other people. And aren't you a Christian who knows how to love other people? And, and uh, I actually was reminded of a scripture that I was challenged with years ago, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. I think we have it. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And so, you know, just reminded, we, sometimes you do it for the, the people around you. So for those that are masked up this morning, thank you, thank you, thank you. And for those that aren't, I know you're like me, uh, but just, you know, when we, we do this, we do this for others. So when you do it, thank you so much. Um, oh, happy Father's Day. You know, like, that's all, is there a father here? Point to a father. If there's a father near you, point to a father. Now just, you know, just rub their head a little bit. I don't know what dad's like, but just, just do that. Love on him a little bit. Um, you know, we haven't done something in a while. I, maybe we should do this. Um, I want to do a little giveaway this morning. And uh, since we're back together, I think this would be fun. So here's what I need. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get two volunteers here in a second. But you need to know that when you come up, <laughs> it's going to be for dads, by the way. I saw some other people getting excited. Um, we're going to have a couple dads come up here. But you need to know it, it's going to be a bit of a Bible challenge, a bit of a Bible challenge. So I'm going to ask you a question about the Bible. And if uh, you're, a, so here's the thing. If you're a dad, they would like to compete in a little bit of a Bible challenge. Put your hand in the air, and I will call it people on, at random. Okay, maybe I should just get a hand in the air, and it won't even matter. It's not going to be that random, apparently. So, all right, we're going to have you come on up here, sir. And then, uh, did I see you point to your husband? Okay, we'll have you pointed to your husband. Come on up here. All right, so if you'll do that, and if you'll stand here, sir, just stand right here. We're going to do that right here. And then we're going to have you come on up here. If you'll just stand here, give them a big round of applause as they come up here. woo woo! All right, stay here. You can stand right there. We'll keep our six-foot distance. Oh, you're touching. Okay, we did not get that on TV, right? So, all right. So here's what we're going to do. Um, what I want you to do is I'm going to ask a question, and when answer pops into your head, put your hand in the air. The first one with a hand in the air will get the option to pick between one of two prizes that I brought with me today. Um, so um, I got, you know, when I get prizes, I just get what I would want. So... What I got was I got a barbecue set. It's actually a good one. This is Weber's barbecue set, so several utensils you'd need as we're in the middle of summer now. And then this awesome DeWalt set, which I actually bought for myself as well. Um, <laughs> it was so awesome. Happy Father's Day to me. Um, but this is a DeWalt bit set, and uh, this is awesome for your uh, cordless drill or impact driver, so um, good for you. And so here's, again, I will ask a question. First person with a hand in the air will get the, the, the right to go first, and then uh, you'll get to choose, if you're correct, uh, between one of these two prizes. Okay, so here's your question. You ready? 
in the Bible, name one verse that has the word father in it. One verse with father. <laughs> I just got father. Anyone? One verse with father in it. You don't even have to know where it is. You said, in there a verse that says? Anyone? Anyone? All right, so in, in a couple of seconds, I'm giving a hint. Uh, or are you deferring because you're trying to be kind? Uh, all right, does anyone know the Lord's Prayer? I'm just throwing it out there. Anyone at all? Anyone? You've heard it, right? Even in this church, you've heard that. It's got to be a hand in the air. It's got to be a hand in the air. Put the hand in the air. Raise your hand. Thank Hey, good morning. All right, so how does the Lord's Prayer start? You can do this. It's got one word in it that's really important here. Our Father, our Father, my Father. Excellent choice, excellent choice. <laughs> this was harder than I thought it would be. I'm going to be honest with you. You're going to need to go home and read the Lord's Prayer again. All right, so um, which would you like, sir? You want this one? Okay, this is for you. You get this one. How about a big round of applause for our fathers here? So, <laughs> All right, well done, well done. All right, moving on. Speaking of Father's Day, I had a really interesting thing happen in my life recently. I think we've got a picture of it here. Do we have a picture of it here? So, wow, wow. That is now Mr. and Mrs. Sam and Callie Mauer. And uh, so uh, on June 7th, I got to do the wedding of my daughter. Went to Aaron Farms up in the uh, Easley area. And uh, I'll tell you, marrying your daughter is really wild, walking her down the aisle, and, uh, and then I got to swap with the pastor. Her pa- this is their pastor from their church up there, kind of started the ceremony, and then I ended up uh, doing the ceremony. And, you know, I just, I had this, I had a lot of moments happening during that day, and honestly, even when I did the service, there were several times I was getting choked up, and it wasn't necessarily about the ceremony per se, it was just, it was life. You know, like, I remember this little naked baby being born into the world and uh, being in the room where they're washing her and like all the, like brand newborn. And I have walked with this girl and my son, but you know, she's <laughs> talking about her for a second, walked with her all through life and, you know, all the firsts. And I remember, you know, like the, the first time she pulled up and when she was getting some neck control and the first time she took a step, the first words she said, and, uh, and then going through school, all those years of school and, uh, you know, ups and downs and joys and tragedies and all this kind of stuff. And then you're kind of standing here and listen, I, I know it's not over. I mean, it's not like she's gone forever. In fact, in some ways she's still on the payroll, but in other ways, you know, it's like this, this sense of accomplishment. I told somebody, I said, it's kind of like when you graduate, you know, this idea that I've completed something I've worked really hard for, but now I have new opportunities in front of me. And I feel like that's kind of a, the parenting side of this is that we've kind of graduated her to another stage of life. And now we all step into some new opportunities. And so just a, a beautiful moment there. Um, but I will say over the course of those years, it has given me some gray hair. Uh, other parents here could amen that. Um, you know, that's just what kids do to you. But, um, but I do think this, wh- the wisdom we have gained over these years, for those of you who've been parents for some years, the wisdom we have gained, which has placed those hairs in our head, uh, has taught us some things. And I would encourage you, if you're a young uh, couple and you're planning your family, or if you have young kids and you're looking at your kids at some point or thinking about your future and going, how does this thing work? You need to find some people with some gray hair on them who've done the parenting thing and just sit down with them, buy them a lunch or a cup of coffee, and just ask them a lot of questions, um, and they could give you some real insight. And, uh, and I think particularly, even in this day, we need that insight. We are in some crazy times in our world right now, which I think we would all amen. The world has spun a bit out of control even after these last um, 
few weeks. And I think that <laughs> my son and I were joking about this. I don't know that this is unprecedented times. I actually think these are precedented times. Like the world's always been kind of messed up. It's just that we're feeling it right now in a very particular kind of way. So these are, these are crazy, crazy times. But the topic I want to talk about this morning, which is directly related to Father's Day, is I think a part of the solution for our world. That is, first, we need to turn our attention to our earthly father, right? And then through Christ, as he fixes us, um, then we as dads parent in a way that honors the Lord. And then by changing the family system, I think you change society. When you change society, you change the world. And so for me, this is uh, very directly tied into core beliefs I have in regard to my faith. Uh, if you look at, um, well, I'll just put it up here for you. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, we are reminded of this. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. Was there anything there for you that just resonated with the day and age that we live in today? <laughs> yeah, like everything, right? And did you notice that the very first thing it referenced, the very first thing it referenced was being lovers of self. The very first thing is, is this idea of pride, this idea that that's, that's what it's all about. And I know, I know people will say, like, the biggest need in the world uh, today for us is that we have got to confront the evil in this world. That is not the number one need. The number one need is that we have to confront the evil within ourselves, and that comes at the foot of the cross. So that's where we have to start today. In fact, I was thinking about this, and I was trying to you know, keep in line with the theme of uh, Father's Day, and I thought, what would I say to a, a young man that came up to me who's either um, about to start a family with his wife, or maybe they've already had their first kid and it's young, and just says to me, you know, Jeff, how would you guide me in being a good dad? And I would say this, I think there are three loves that I would say you need to focus on. You have to love God, you have to love wife, and you have to love your kids. Now, I think, here's what would happen. I think a guy, a guy would hear that and go, oh, done, I, I totally, I love God, I love my wife, I love my kids, or I'm gonna love my kids when they come. Like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not talking about the emotion of love or the sense of satisfaction you derive from the knowledge of these people in your life. I mean love as a verb. It's an activity, something you choose to do. And so in that, there is a unique difference. And so let's just, let's unpack these a bit. And for me, I would start with the love of God. Now, if you were to ask me, where do I find the love of God in scripture? I always think about the great commandment, uh, which is a combo of loving God and loving others. And I think we've got it. Do we have it here? Yeah, okay. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. I love the context of this verse. In the context of this verse, a man sees Jesus, and he comes up to Jesus, and he says, oh, Lord, I have a question for you. Uh, what must a man do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus quotes this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Uh, love your neighbor as yourself. And the man's like, okay, who's your neighbor? <laughs> and so in the scriptures, it says to us, in an attempt to justify himself, Right? So he already, just in the presence of Jesus, I guess, feels convicted that he already knows he's not loving others as he should, but he's just trying to, he's trying to work this in there. Like, how would you define neighbor? All right? So 
Actually, that ends up being a very important question. How do we define neighbor? Because it's going to reveal a lot for us about whether or not we are loving our neighbor. It's something historically the Jews struggled with. It is something we struggle with, especially when you understand the concept. So let's talk about the story Jesus told afterwards. So in order to help the man understand who his neighbor was, Jesus told him a story. Do you remember what the story was? That's the story of the Good Samaritan, right? This guy who should not have loved Jewish people. And when he sees this Jewish man beat up on the side of the road, the Samaritan, of all the people that walked by him after he's been passed over by his own people, even godly people who represented his, uh, his nation, just walked by him. The Samaritan who comes by, who should have been a natural enemy, pauses and offers the man help. And at the end of it, Jesus says, well, who was the neighbor? And he says, well, I guess the Samaritan was. And he says, all right, go and do likewise. And so we realize from this story that when we talk about the idea of neighbor, it doesn't really mean who is your neighbor. It's really asking the question, to whom are you a neighbor? To whom are you showing kindness? To whom are you being generous? To whom are you going beyond a boundary that seems to be there, but in reality doesn't exist, right? And for us, and in this, for this, this was culture. This is race. I mean, this couldn't be any more poignant than for our time today. That is when I love all people, right? And I would say this by God's grace. I think when you get a church full of people together as diverse as we are, and we are, you know, we are diverse here and people online. We are diverse. We, we look different. We've got different backgrounds. Some of us are different nationalities. We vote different. We pull for different sports teams. Uh, we look different. We like different stuff. We're old. We're young. Like we, there's just a complexity here. And isn't it great to know that in Jesus Christ, we are all one, right? We're all one. So I already, yeah, amen, amen. So I already celebrate that. I celebrate that. But then there is the temptation though, right? There is the temptation. And we'll do it over small things, let alone the big things. All sorts of big things in our culture right now. I don't even have to call those out. You're fully aware of those. But we'll do it over small things, right? And, and this is, for me, the sports teams are always the thing, you know? And so my daughter went to Clemson, but I live in Columbia, the home of the Gamecocks, right? And there are people that like, if they find out you're one or the other, they look at you like, you know, like they're, like they're literally angry because you have a favorite sports team that's different. Now, like, I get it. I got my sports teams, and I love my sports teams, and I appropriately hate, can I say that? Appropriately hate the other teams that are, that are but I, like, I don't really hate the people, and I don't hate them, and I don't want bad for them. But we'll divide over anything. And so when, when I am, as a father, trying to connect with my heavenly father, I'm reminded that as I connect with him, he is commanding me to love the people around me. So that becomes a natural part of that. So then as a dad, okay, because he's all tied into parenting. So then as a dad, I'm teaching my children the same things. Like I am making sure that my children understand that more important than anything you do in life is loving Jesus Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, submitting fully to him, keeping your eyes on the Father, listening to the word of God, being filled with his Holy Spirit and understanding what that means to yield to the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God's control in your life. As a dad, you've got to be in on this. Now, I would say this too. When I was a younger man, and we started a family when I was uh, back in my 20s, like that, it is so hard because you feel like, I don't know where you are now, I, I felt like I had so little of life figured out in my 20s, right? Like, I, what do I know of life? Like, when my, my daughter and her new husband, wow, that's still weird to say, uh, they just got a townhome up in Easley. And we told him, okay, here's some things you need to do. Go ahead and call and set up your utilities. You got to get your trash coming. You got to figure this. And as I'm talking to my daughter, she just pauses. She goes, dad, I don't know how to do any of this stuff. I was like, oh, you know, yeah, I forgot about that. I like it just, after you've been doing this for a while, you kind of get, and I'm like, oh yeah. So this idea that I don't know what to do. 
like we've got to come alongside our kids and coach them in this. And so if I tell you, when you raise your kids, you've got to make sure they stay focused on the Lord. And you're going, well, like I don't, not only do I not know how to do that, I'm not sure I figured it out for myself yet. And I would just say this to young dads, like, yeah, here's the deal. You got a parent on the go. Like you don't say, well, when I figure it out, I'll teach my kids. Like, no, you're going to have to fake it. Like there's no other way around it. And that's the great thing about being connected to a church, right? Is that when you're connected to a church, you can make sure that somebody's helping you uh, and coming alongside you. In fact, I would say this, if you were gonna choose some God-loving activities, like how do I, as a dad, how do I do these God-loving activities? After you've understood some full submission to Jesus. Now, when I say full submission to Jesus, I mean, you're all in with your faith. You put your faith totally in Jesus. You're studying the word of God. Prayer is a regular part of the way you live. You've aligned your morals with the will of God. Uh, then I would say this, as a, as a godly dad, you want to invite accountability into your life. You have to invite it in. People will offer it to you, but you don't always receive it well. But you're going to have to invite somebody older, wiser, more mature. And it could be a peer, but generally somebody older, but just like, hey, can you speak into my life? That You know when I told you you need to invite somebody out for lunch or coffee? As a dad, that's what you need to be doing, meeting with other dads who can coach you along in this. But when you're inviting accountability, you need to say something like this to them. Hey, if you see anything in my life that you feel like you need to challenge, I invite you to speak into that. Right? That's accountability, letting somebody hold you accountable to your lifestyle and to the word of God. Here's another thing. You are the spiritual leader of your family. You're the spirit. Now, I know some guys would say, I don't, I don't feel like the spiritual leader. In fact, my wife is a much better spiritual leader. And that may be true, but you are the spiritual leader. Right? That's a, that's a Bible thing. So here's the deal. Then how do I do that? Again, you're going to have to do this. You've got to learn this on the go. But I would tell you this. Some of us grew up in families where mom made you go to church, right? You'd wake up and it was like, mom's like, everybody get going, come on. And dad, even dad was like one of the kids, like, I don't want to go to church. Did you grow up in a family? That was my, well, I don't know if I should say that. My dad may be watching. But it was, it was kind of my family. Like kids didn't want to go. Dad didn't want to go. And mom was like, we're all going to church this morning. So thank you, mom, for <laughs> making us go. But, uh, but as the dad, you need to be the one driving that. You need to be the one getting up. Hey, we're all going to church this morning. Because here's what I think. I think when the dad leads the family spiritually, it has a significant impact on the kids. Like, because it's like, it's almost like this. Well, we expect that from mom. Like mom's the rule person, right? Mom makes us do stuff all the time. She's always the one around us. You're always at work. But when dad comes in and goes, no, listen, our faith in Jesus Christ is number one in this family. And you start quoting, you know, as for me and my house, we're, we're going to follow the Lord. Everybody else can do what they want. We're in on Jesus. So this idea, so the dad leads there. You've got to do that. Don't let, uh, of course we want moms to do that too, but, but dads need to see you're all in. Uh, on Jesus. And, um, and then when I talked about this idea of loving your neighbor as yourself, you're going to make sure you foster that within the home, right? So what, is, what does Satan love to do more than anything? Divide. He just loves to divide. Now, obviously, he loves death and pain and wounding. Satan loves to divide. So whenever you see hallmarks of that in our families or in society, you realize that that's Satan behind the scenes kind of stirring things up. Now, we throw our own sin in there, so it's not just that, but, but we've got to fight against that. So you don't want to make sure you raise your kids teaching them that some other group of people is evil, right? Now listen, and I'm going, I'm going to be on the race thing. Let's just start with the sports teams, right? We don't go like, hey, Tiger fans are idiots, right? We, you don't teach your kids that. That's poor parenting, right? We don't teach it. Ah, watch out for them Republicans. Watch out for them Democrats. That to get you, like, don't teach your kids. That's foolishness. That is foolishness. And we, I think, we, can we all agree both parties are kind of messed up? So, like, we're not trusting them. We're trusting in Jesus. And so here's what we do. When our kids come back and they say, oh, we don't like this. Uh, these kids, they go to another school, and we're playing them this weekend, and that's our rival, and we hate those guys. You go, okay, time out. Yes, they're our biggest rivals, and yes, we're going to play them like we want to beat them into the turf. But at the end of the day, these are just people just like you and me 
Hopefully they love the Lord. We love the Lord. Like our unity is in Christ. We can have healthy rivalries, but let's be careful. And so let's just be careful how we carry that out in our politics and stuff like that. But we teach that to our kids. All right, so the love God, which is naturally tied into loving others. Now, the second thing I said is I want you to love your wife. And so I'm going to take you to one of my favorite passages that teaches us about loving your wife. And this comes from Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22. We'll put it up here for you. Ephesians 5, 22 says this. Uh, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. All right, so this starts off Ephesians 5, um, going back to verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So this, it starts off with this idea of sacrificial love. Now, sacrificial love is not necessarily tied into the feeling of love. Because here's something I've realized after being married for the years that I've been married, um, is, is that you don't know, <laughs> this is even worse because my wife's right here. We've been married a while, it's good. Uh, but this idea that, you know, you don't always feel like loving, right? But, but this is where you make the choice to love. And this is something I always remind couples that are getting married. When you get married, this is not an agreement that later on down the road, if you feel disinclined to submit to it, you just move on. This is a covenant with God. I'm swearing to God that I will stay with this person until death do us part, right? You don't break that covenant because if you break that covenant, there are consequences, not just earthly consequences. There's heavenly consequences where God interrupts my life and starts doing some things. Now, I am sympathetic to those who've been through uh, broken marriages. I know it's horrible, but you've already tasted of that death, so to speak. So this love is not a feeling, it's a choice, which means then through the ups and downs of life, when there are hard times, when there are good times, and even when there's occasional foolish decisions, both my own and hers from time to time, very rarely hers, mostly mine, and then the feelings that ebb and flow, it doesn't matter because I'm staying focused on this woman. I have committed to her. I'm choosing to love her. And this is... Jesus is offered as the example. Now think about this. What if Jesus bailed on you when he no longer felt like loving you, right? Where would we be? Like he'd have left me 10 minutes into this relationship. I I promise you that. He'd have been like, I thought we were, where are you going, right? So this is the idea that Jesus is the example. So now with that as an example, it goes on to say this, that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. All right, so this is the idea of the sanctifying work that Jesus does for us. Now, that's offered as an example, but obviously you can't sanctify your wife, not personally and not like Jesus does for us. But what can you do, and why is it offered as a parallel? All right, here's what you can do. You can nourish the soul of your wife. That's what this is referring to. We're nourishing the soul of our wife. So when your wife comes to you and says, hey, honey, um, there's a ladies group that's going to be meeting on uh, Thursday nights. And you're like, Thursday nights? Oh, that's, when we, that's when we watch our show. You can't, you can't do it on Thursday nights. Can you find another woman's group? Okay, hold on. Your wife wants to go to a, a group where she can be encouraged to walk with Christ. Women who walk with Christ learn to get beyond themselves, to submit themselves fully to the Lord. They learn how to love their husbands better, to be better servants, to show more mercy, to be more kind, to be more Christ-like. 
I would ask you to weigh that against your TV show <laughs> or, or any such thing. Or when your wife comes to you, hey, I want to go to this women's conference. There's a women's conference going on. It's in Nashville. We're going to go up there. We're going to get a hotel room. And we're gonna, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. How much is that going to cost? And how much is the hotel room? And how much is the conference? And can't you just watch it on TV? And maybe your friends could go and they could just tell you what it was like. Like, okay, stop. You, you got to realize what you're investing in. Women submitted to Jesus who begin to look more like Jesus, act more like Jesus, like, you want that. Or when she comes to you and she says, honey, uh, uh, we're, they're starting community groups again this fall, and there's this, there's this marriage group. They're studying a book. I would totally love to do that. And you're like, marriage, oh, kill me. You know, why would I do that kind of thing? And you're thinking, like, I don't want to, you go. You just, like, okay, you don't, that's not how that works, right? You, now, think about this. You go to a marriage group, what are they going to talk about? Marriage. They're talking how to love each other, what God has called us to, how we submit, how we walk faithfully, how we yield. Like, do you really, in all of these things, from the group to the conference to the marriage group, you benefit, you get the dividends, right? This is something you invest in. And so here's the thing as a, as a husband, you don't just allow, you don't just tolerate, you encourage. You're the guy who goes, hey, honey, I was just looking at the community groups. Um, there's one here meets Thursday night. Aren't you free on Thursday nights? It's a women's group. It's led by somebody that I know is a good friend of yours, and it's in a home near us. You should go to that. Like, that's the kind of thing we do. So this idea of the sanctifying, I want my wife, sanctifying, to be more like Jesus. And so to be more like Jesus, I encourage her to be around that, and then I get blessed by that. Because with godly women, Jesus is always working on them, and when he's always working on them, he is always blessing you through that. I want my wife to be as close to Jesus as possible so that I can be blessed. And you could say, that sounds selfish, and I'll say, amen, amen, I will take it all day. No, I'm not. Now, she wants the same for me with, with the Lord, I get it. Uh, but this, and so here's the thing. As the years go by, she becomes a better version of a godly woman. It's like you know how your computer's always doing an upgrade? You know, must restart to upgrade, must restart. Your phone needs to restart. It's got, up, it's got upgrading the software, and then after a while, you upgrade the hardware, and you're, you're like, this is like your wife is totally, constantly being upgraded. That is, after you've put in some years, I've been married now for, I know it's over 20 years, whatever it is. <laughs> like, I have got, like, all these upgrades built into my wife. So when these guys leave their wives, and, they, and I've even heard some guys say they're trading up. No, dude, you're trading backwards. You're trading to the flip phone. Man, you're going back to the Commodore 64. You are not going forward. You're going back. Do you know how many years I've been working on my wife? Do you know how many years Jesus has been working on my wife? I finally got her where I want her, right? <laughs> I don't know if I should say that, but it's too late now. And this is live too. I guess it's even worse. But like I have the best version of Michelle Philpot that I have had to date, right? And the future's just getting better. And we're finally getting rid of kids. So it's party time in our home, Right? So that's what you're working for. And so this idea that I'm nourishing this, you're nourishing your wife so that she ends up like that. And so um, we, we are going to nourish the soul of our wives. That's what we really want. And then it, it makes this comment here too. Uh, in the same way, uh, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we're members of the same body. So when it comes to this idea of the body, you want to love your wife as you love your own body. And as men, we know we love our own bodies, but we actually love our bodies more than our wives do. That's just, <laughs> just how it is probably. But, but here's the idea. We're going to take care of our bodies. Now, one of the things here, and this is a, this is a man moment, and there's no way around this, even though we have a, a mixed group of people, but here's a, here's a man moment. Now, one of the things I love in Scripture is a reference to Genesis 2.24. In Genesis 2.24, what you're going to find out is that we have been called to be one flesh. 
And it's right before one of my favorite memory verses, Genesis 2.25, which says, the man and his wife were both naked and unashamed. That's, that, for me, is like a life verse. But this idea, um, <laughs> it's too late, right? Um, this idea uh, of this thing. So here, when it comes to this, that we're one, and then we need to be able to be naked and unashamed, I think this ties into something. And here's what I want to tie it into. As men, we've got to guard our purity. We have to guard our purity. God has a context for purity, right? And so we know that when it comes to our self-control, we don't mess around mentally or physically with lustful things. We don't entertain lustful thoughts. We don't engage in pornography, and we don't flirt uh, with people who aren't our wife, right? And you, and you might look at this as a single person and say, wow, I'm glad that's not for me. Like, no, as a single person, all of that is for you, except for the flirting part. As far as I know, you can flirt with any single female. Go for it. But other than that, you've got to make sure that you keep yourself pure. And what I tell young men, what I've told my children is, uh, lust is like a baby monster that lives with you. And if you feed that thing, it will grow up to the point where it consumes you and causes you all sorts of damage. But if you will neglect to feed it, it may not go away, but at least it stays small and manageable. And so be, beware of that baby monster. And I think it's, this is kind of a man thing almost more than women, not that women can't struggle with this. Um, but just a caution as I'm cautioning, uh, challenging a dad to teach his own kids, particularly his sons, need to have that conversation early. So here we are in this, this wife-loving activities. Again, I'm going to nourish the wife of my soul, send her to groups, conferences. I'll go to marriage groups with her. Um, and I want to protect purity in my marriage. I'm going to keep myself pure. Uh, and I'm going to teach my children to do the same. I would say this, by the way. If you're a man who's here today and you're struggling in some of these areas, you know, the church has resources to help out. Please come talk to us. You don't have to be trapped in uh, what you feel is an embarrassing sin. We, we can help you out with that, and we get it. Uh, all the men here on staff totally understand this. Um, so those are the things I would say are wife-loving activities. And then finally this, I would say love your kids. Now, when I talk about loving your kids, almost everybody thinks of Proverbs 22.6, right? You can't think about raising kids without Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, I love this, and you love this, and a lot of people, because you're thinking this. I know this is what you're thinking. Oh, this is great. So I'm going to expose my children to good things. I'm going to get them plugged in to all the great resources we have at church. Uh, so they're going to learn from uh, Miss Kim back in the uh, St. Kids Ministry, or maybe Miss Connie in the St. Kids Junior, or they're going to go into student ministry with Pastor Chris and Pastor Eric, and uh, they're going to get the Word of God, and then they're going to walk with Jesus their whole lives. I, like, I hope so. I hope so. But now let's understand something about Proverbs, though. Proverbs are not promises, right? A proverb is not a promise. It's a principle. That is, it generally proves to be true, but in this case, the kids get a vote. And so if your kid goes sideways, they start meeting friends who take them on a different path, like, you know, we're just going to trust God with that. But we as parents have to do everything we can to train them up in the way that they should go. And so we do want to do that. So what we do is we provide a moral orientation and we make sure that it's around the word of God because that will supersede anything we teach them. At the end of the day, even if they don't like us as parents, if we can get them connected to the Lord through his word, that will hold them uh, to, to a standard that we value. Uh, we would say this too, that we teach them the rules of God and we teach them discipline through training and correction. So we hold them accountable to God's kind of rules as we do this. So we want to make sure that we love our kids uh, well in this regard. Now, I think of another passage I'm going to go to as we flesh this out some more. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Hey, can we just say amen for a second? Amen. Amen. That's good. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you 
and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So I love this. Now, we know God is a God of order. Again, one of the things we see in our society when we see chaos, when we see disorder, uh, it's a reflection of the fact that God is absent from that activity. So God is a God of order, and a lack of order brings chaos and anarchy. From the laws of society to the rules of sports to our own family dynamic, we have to have order. So this is how God's house works. Now, it starts off with this, and I love this. I just call this my rule number one. Rule number one, this is actually for kids. Kids, you got to obey your parents. Now, I love this idea of obey rather than submit, which is very important. Obey, not submit. Obey is stronger than submit because it's a command. And the idea is this, that I am obeying because that's God's will, which implies then that it is right to the Lord. So children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It is right in the Lord. So the idea would be this. So if your child comes up to you, or you go up to your child, and you say, hey, listen, hey, son, I want you to take the trash out. You know, now every now and then you catch your kids and they're just kind of in a squirrely mood. And they're like, why should I have to take the trash out? I take trash out all the time. Why don't you take the trash out? Like, okay. You're going to take the trash out because this is right before the Lord. God wants you to take this trash out. All right? So yeah, you're really not far from it. I mean, the idea is this. You, you submit to your parents because God has given me that authority. And because I have that authority, I am using it correctly over you. Now, what do you do if your kid says, well, I'm not going to do it? Now we're going to learn about the Lord's discipline. That's what we're going to do. And so then we bring discipline, hopefully healthy discipline, balanced discipline. But we're going to make sure that they learn these rules because here's what we want. We want our kids to grow up obedient, not just to make our lives easier, which it does. We do want our kids to be obedient because it makes our lives easier. But here's the thing. They cannot function in society if they do not learn to submit to authority, right? Talk to, talk to some teachers who are in some classrooms, they can tell you about the children that they know are being raised by parents who are involved and engaged and connected and teaching discipline and authority and the kids who are just out of control, right? Now, I don't want to put it all on the parents, but the parents are going to be a good indicator of whether or not this is going well. So how are they going to get out and have a job where a boss comes up to them and says, listen, I don't like your work. I want you to do it different. I tried really hard on that. Like, I don't care. I sign your paycheck. You do what I tell you to do. I don't feel a safe place, safe place, you know, like... You got to be careful here. So this is one of those things. We've got to teach them this in the home. And so I am preparing them for life, let alone one day, I want my kids to be leaders in the church, right? They've got to learn to submit to Jesus fully first before they'll ever be a leader one day. And that starts with learning how to obey your parents. So I think all these things um, are really important when it comes to this. So children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is right. And then it says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. All right, so the idea of honor. Now, I think honor is a really important concept for us to process. So it pleases God when kids are obedient, and it pleases God when they learn to honor their father and mother. Here's what it means. Your, your parents, kids, if you haven't figured this out already, they don't always make the right decision. They don't always make the best decision, but you need to submit anyway. So I was speaking to a, a young woman one time. We were doing a mission trip here at the church, and she came to me and she said, I want to go on this summer mission trip with youth group. And I was like, oh, that's great. And she said, but my parents won't let me go. They literally won't let me go on the mission trip. But I feel like I should probably go anyway. What do you think I should do? I said, oh, easy, easy. I, I know what you're processing. You're trying to think through, uh, is it better to obey God or man? It is always better to obey God. So do not go on the mission trip. Yeah, because and, and she was like, what? I should go on the mission. Like, no, no, no. In your head, you're thinking that's the right thing. It's not the right thing. 
The right thing is to honor your father and mother. Now you can say, I disagree. I think God would be more pleased with me doing this, but I guarantee you, God will be more pleased when you honor your parents. Here's the deal. When you live under the roof and when they're paying for all your bills, you need to honor your mom and dad. There will come a day you move out. When you move out, you could be a grown-up and make some decisions. Now, you still have to honor your parents. And now, this is even a tricky one. You got to learn when you first start your own family. So, listen, I remember when I started my own family, I'm having my kids, mom and dad on both sides would give us advice, right? They come along, you know what you ought to be doing? You ought to be doing this. You shouldn't be doing this. You ought to be doing this. And there's a point where you go like, okay, I appreciate that. I'm not going to do maybe what you said. I'll listen to it, and we're going to make a decision because we're a family now. And my first love is my wife. My first love for the women is my husband. And um, wife or husband now trumps mom and dad. And so we're making decisions as family. But we, we want to honor, so tell us what you're saying, and then we can think through it. But we don't have to obey at that point. We can make different decisions. And of course, as our parents age, we want to make sure we honor them by taking care of them as well. Um, but then it gets to this one point. So we've been talking about the honoring and, and how we do this and the idea that it may go well with you. Let me, let me say a side note. Children are blessed. Now, I'm not even making this up. Children are blessed when they honor their parents. Like there will be things God does in your life that you'll just, you won't even know until years later you'll think back about like, you know, my childhood is actually awesome. You know, like I had a lot of stuff that I wanted. I had everything I needed. And even though my parents were kind of tough sometimes, they totally loved me. And now that I've gotten to college or whatever, and I've seen some of these other yahoos and they're talking about how much they hate their parents, they fight with their parents, and they're like, well, I actually had it great and I thought I had it horrible, right? So you look back, those are blessings you receive from learning to honor your parents. So there's a literal blessing here, and it was a reference to even the blessing that Israel received um, as God took care of them. But then it gets to this in verse four. Now, verse four, dads, this is a dad thing. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Now, do not read this and think you can't ever make your kids angry. No, you, anytime you go against what your kid wants, they're gonna be angry. That's, that's not what the thing is. You're not provoking your children to anger. That is where you're intentionally pushing the button. Now, here's the thing. We know, dads, and our wives don't get it, our little baby girls don't get it, but we have this testosterone button inside of us. And if you trip that trigger, we can go a little nutso, right? We can lose it just a little bit. And it is hard. And then everything in you, like you've got to fight to constrain. Like you have a bad day, things are tough at work, uh, it's hot outside, whatever it's going to be, and you're just on edge. And then the first time your kid does something stupid, right, you're about to fall apart and you go ballistic. And so your wife is like, baby, calm down. Your kid's like, oh, why are you? Like, okay, we have to learn self control. Now, fortunately, that's a fruit of the Spirit self-control. So a man who's yielded to the Lord has a better chance of being able to control himself uh, than those who've not been consistently submitting to the Lord. But the idea is this, that as dads, we have to know how to dial back that anger. So when the anger begins to poke its head out, we want to make sure this, don't treat your children unfairly, right? Even in the midst of my anger, we got to make sure I don't treat them unfairly. This is, I'm trying to prevent provoking them to anger in the way that we're talking about here. I don't want to push them in such a way that it's ungodly in my response. I am not going to mock my kids when I'm angry with them, right? So my kid comes up, dad, I don't feel like, and you look at me, like, no, be the grown-up in the room, right? That's something I would tell young dads. Be the grown-up in the room. You're the dad now. You're not the sitcom dad, you're the real godly man that they're looking to as an example. You don't mock your children. So uh, you work with them, you teach them. You don't swear at your kids, ever. 
Shouldn't swear at your wife. In fact, shouldn't, swear words shouldn't be in your vocabulary if I could offer that as a, as a, a hopefully just a man of God. Like, we don't, we don't do that. You come up with other words, but uh, not swear words, but we don't swear at our kids. We don't publicly humiliate our children, right? We don't, it's just not something we do. I heard about a, a mom one time that made her kid wear a shirt to school that said, I peed my pants this morning. She thought if she embarrassed him enough, he would stop doing it. Now, that's just bad parenting right there. You don't, you don't embarrass your kids, humiliate them like that. We don't do that. And we don't give nuclear punishments for garden variety sins, right? I told you to pick up your underwear. You didn't pick up your underwear. You're grounded for a month. Well, that's a little disproportionate. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty extreme, right? Well, they're never going to leave their underwear on the floor again. Well, maybe, or maybe you're just a jerk, right? So let's be careful how we parent our kids. Don't give uh, nuclear punishments for garden variety offenses. And certainly when you get to the point where you feel like you want to hurt them or somebody, that's a caution for you, just to pull back and to de-escalate the situation, just to pull back, say, I need a moment. Dad's frustrated right now. Go to your room. I'll deal with you in a little bit after I calm down, and I need to process with mom a little bit. Um, but this idea of you know, how we do this, dads, you've, just, you've got to choose to remain calm. I, I would say this, though, because it talks about we want to make sure that we raise them in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. We do want to make sure that we remember that a parent who fails to discipline their child fails their child. And so we have to figure out a way to discipline well when it comes to this. So again, kid-loving activities. We're going to practice our patience. We're going to discipline well. We're going to get input from others. That's something I would offer, get input from others. And we have resources here at the church. Be glad to help you out with your parenting and your parenting skills and styles. And normally we'll offer some sort of community group that will coach you in that as well. And then we're going to take responsibility to lead our families spiritually. Love God, love your wife, love your kids. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for um, this morning. This is, uh, this is just a weird time in society, but I think we would all agree that regardless of how we're all wired and the complexities of our cultures uh, and even the society in which we live in the U.S., uh, Lord, we are all desperate for Jesus Christ. Lord, please forgive us for our own sins. Help us to confront that evil within ourselves. And may we and those who come after us walk faithfully with you and be the light in this world that this world needs to see. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Sandhills Community Church. Feel free to share this with others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information, please visit our website at www.sandhillschurch.org.